0: Good morning, Saints. Well, let's let's jump into it. we're as you know going through the letter to the Hebrews and let's see where the where we go today with this. I'm just enjoying this letter a lot. Lord, we just thank you that you're always with us. Lord, I thank you that the the crowning work of your work, the finished work of Christ, is union with yourself, you and us and we in you. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would hear your voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. And I pray, Lord, you would help us see heavenly realities, move us away from the shadows from the copies of the heavenly things to the heavenly things themselves. Help us experience, Lord Zion, this other mountain, not like Sinai, this other realm that is now within us by the gift of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven within Lord, we just thank you that the reality is is here. And though we cannot see with our natural eyes, we see with our hard eyes another world within us and we in you. For we have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness in this world into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And there we live and move and have our being. For we are as righteous as you are righteous, Lord. For you have made us so. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. You are the righteous one, Lord. And you have given us of your own righteousness. And we rest in the righteousness of another. Thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit to show us these things. For who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God is given that we might know freely all the things that have been given to us. For he who spared not his only Son Will he not with him freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord, for a blue sky. For an open heaven. For a torn veil. For an open door that no man can shut. Thank you that it's so big, so huge. It is the work of God. It is the work of a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. One who lives forever. One who brings bread and wine. One who rejoices with the sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome reality. Help us see. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a side note, I was I was um I was thinking of just the other day that phrase, you know, we we say in Jesus' name and, and um and um he told us to pray in his name. And not, this thought came to me yesterday that was so cool. It was like it's like I saw cl- more clearly what that means than ever before. Um we he said this, he showed this to me. You can ask, he wants us to ask. In his name, because, well, how do you say it? It's, it's as if you're asking as if it's for me, him. You see? In other words, he says, when you pray in my name, you're asking the Father to give you something as if it's me. Ask in my name. You see that? It's awesome. I never thought, I've never had that thought in my entire life. He's basically saying, when you ask, ask the Father in my name. Put, uh, tell him to put it on my, my account, so to speak. Or tell him, tell him it's, uh, it's, it's for me because you're in me. Ask in my name. I, I love that. It's so cool because I think that's what he really meant. He's like, if you, whatever you need to ask, ask it in my name, though. Don't ask it in your own name. Don't ask it based on your own righteousness or how good you're doing or how, you know, ask it in my, ask it in my name ask it for me ask it for me the Father will give it to me and to you now because you're in me awesome I just love that it's like God it's so cool because you know you get all wrapped up with the formulas do you pray to Jesus' name the Father you know it's just so cool the simplicity of it just whatever you ask ask it in my name don't ask it in your own name ask it in my name and you shall receive that's, that's a, the spirit of God oh my God oh, we all go home right now <laughs> that's, I'm telling you that's rich that'll change your life it really will it'll change the, the way we pray just the simplicity of that it's like whatever you ask the father ask ask it in my name ask it in my name ask, ask it based on who I am not based on who you are ask it in my name And he shall give it to you. Of course, we are as he is now, which is awesome. You know? As he is, so are we. Okay. Awesome. Okay. We've been talking about Hebrews. And um, the thing about Hebrews, as we've said before, is that this letter really is a letter that opens a door to this incredible promise, this incredible reality of the presence with us always. The scripture talks about how the, the veil was up because the Holy Spirit signified that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made manifest as long as that first tabernacle stood and sacrifices had to be offered on a continual basis to cover sin. So, the removal of that veil indicated that now the immediate presence of God was available to all who would believe. In fact, the scripture in Hebrews says, now let us go boldly into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Now, he says, now in our thinking, we tend to think that that means when we die, when our body dies, that he is the forerunner that is going beyond the veil for us. Our anchor. One of the big early signs of the of Christians is the symbols used by early Christians was an anchor. Anchors could be found written on the caves uh, of walls, walls of caves, um, in churches, at buildings, and homes. The anchor was one of the most uh, prevalent symbols that the early believers used. The anchor, because Hebrews talks about He is our anchor that goes beyond the veil, that he has gone to the heavens and, and, and that union with him connects us beyond the veil to that reality. But we tend to think that this is all in the sweet by and by, that this is going to happen when our body dies. Hebrews is clear. Let us go forth, Hebrews says. Let us go now into a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. There is a reality there is a reality that the that the believer can experience right here on the inside, of a growing awareness of our union with Him and the presence, such that as we said last Sunday, you can walk into a room and your very peace will fill the room because of the presence within you, and the and and if the peace is not received, Jesus said it'll come back to you. It's 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 an awesome, it's, it's substantive. Is what I'm trying to say. It's substantive. It's not do, it's just doctrine. It's not just theory. It's substantive. That's why Peter's shadow could heal the sick. It was substantive. When, so, when, when uh, someone touched Jesus' garment, he felt virtue go out of his body. It was substantive. He said, I fe- who touched me? I felt virtue, I felt power go out of my body. This is the presence that was in him and now in us. This is the reality that Hebrews is trying to get us to see that, that he really is within you. That it's not just a positional metaphor to say that Christ is in you. It is not just a positional metaphor to say Christ is in you. The early believers knew that Christ was what's inside of them. The Holy Spirit was actually inside of them. In fact, when he first came, it was a visible manifestation so that they could see what God was doing with the tongues of fire above their heads for a few moments before it went into them. And when that, the fire, I believe that they were in that room, that upper room, when the Spirit was poured out, when they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, substantive, invisible, but substantive. This, the presence of God coming in because His work had been accomplished, that the Spirit could join and dwell every believer. I believe for a few minutes that they saw these, the fire above each one of their heads. And I believe for a moment there they were like seeing their brother and sister with fire. And they, looked, and they didn't know what, what this was until it went in. And then when it went in, whew, that's when they began to praise Him. The Scripture says, the moment the Spirit filled them, they began to praise the awesome works of God. The glorious works of God. That's why they appeared as drunk men, because they were full of joy. They were stumbling. They were like, oh my God. They were like, in awe. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and they were said, you know, these, uh, Peter says, these men are not drunk like you think. The presence is now inside of them. And, what, and the first response of the presence was to glorify what God had done, His mighty work. And so this, he, this letter to the Hebrews is bringing us to this, this um, awareness. And I've said this a thousand times, but, you know, just like in real estate, location, location, location. In spiritual life, in spiritual life, the most important thing is awareness, awareness, awareness. Because you can have revelation. And you can forget that revelation. Or you can get revelation and remember that revelation until the remembrance becomes awareness. A fixed awareness of what is. You see? The two wings of the great eagle of the Holy Spirit, I think, are really are the revelation and remembrance. Jesus said the Spirit will come and bring to remembrance all that I've spoken to you. A revelation... And to remember revelation, to remember until it becomes awareness, until it becomes lifestyle, until it becomes what is. Isn't that awesome? That's where the Spirit's bringing us it's a constant awareness. As Jesus said in front of Lazarus' tomb, He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Awareness. Didn't you didn't have to be reminded of it. He didn't have to get revelation of it anymore. Thank you, Father, that you always hear me. And I say this before you, Father, that those standing by might believe. I love it. That's us. That's where the Holy Spirit's bringing us into this sense of awareness that He is within us. If you listen to the songs that are being sung in, in, in uh, the churches and, and a lot of the teaching that's, that's coming out... There's, the Spirit is speaking through these songs and through a lot of the teaching. And a, you'll hear a big emphasis on Christ is inside of you. In you. In you. In you. We in Him. Because this, this awareness must become so uh, overwhelming in us that we, that we um, really see ourselves as the hands of Christ. And we pray in His name, like we said earlier As if it was him. And that's what he wants for us. Bone of his bone. Flesh of his flesh. Well, one thing that about this in this letter to the Hebrews, I told you in the beginning that um, this is one one of the things in this letter that will really help us uh, see from this letter. Will help us see that this whole thinking, this whole concept that we've been taught in the church that we need to name our sins and confess our sins on a daily basis to stay cleansed or stay right with God, et cetera, et cetera, or to stay in fellowship with God. The misapplication of 1 John 1, 1.9. And I shared that this letter blows that out of the water. It is awesome what this letter reveals about a once-for-all-time forgiveness for all sin for all people. And those who still labor under a thinking... As a believer, that they have to name their sins every day or confess their sins every day in order to get those sins under the blood, so to speak, or get them cleansed so they can get back in fellowship with God, back and forth, back and forth. They are laboring under the Levitical priesthood in their thinking. They are in the wrong priesthood in their thinking. They're not there really, but they think they are. Think think about this, saints. The scripture says, God changed the priesthood. He changed it. And where there's a change of priesthood, there must be a change of law also. He changed the priesthood and you and I right now are under the Melchizedek order of priesthood, which is Jesus himself as our great high priest you're not even you're not under that other priesthood god does not recognize a priesthood that covers sins on a daily basis he does not recognize it Amen. let that sink in god does not recognize a thinking that says you have to get your sins covered on a daily basis he does not recognize it he takes no pleasure he took no pleasure in a daily covering of sins in the volume of the book, it is written of me, Jesus said, to do thy will, to offer myself up for one time, for once, for one time, for one time, for all sin, for all people, for all time. Yes. The Melchizedek priesthood is a priesthood that never ends. He has no beginning, he has no end. It is a priesthood that doesn't have to be repeated as under the old covenant where they had to offer sacrifices over and over and over again just to cover sins. What's infecting the church Infecting the church like a disease is a thinking that is rooted in a Levitical priesthood mentality. A Melchizedek priesthood is what God has instituted and established. And He did it with an oath. He swore, you are a high priest forever, the Lord said to Christ. You are a high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, I swear and I will not repent. God put this finished work in place with an oath, Hebrew says, for what purpose? That those who flee for refuge into Him might have strong encouragement by two unchangeable things. The promise of God that your sins have been removed and the oath of God That this high priest is your high priest forever and will never change. And I swear it by myself because I can swear by no one higher than me. And I do this the promise and the oath for the promise that you might have strong encouragement and be not discouraged one second as you come and find refuge in me. Isn't that awesome? That's God. That is our God. Look at Him. He's a king. He is the king of kings. He doesn't have to swear to convince us of anything. He speaks. It's done. But look at the tenderness of God. He says, I'm not just going to promise you that I've done this. I swear it. Our king. So humble that He would be sensitive to our the frailty of, of our human doubts and weaknesses that he would say, I promise. But just in case that's not enough, I swear. I swear, my bride. Why is it by two unchangeable things? Why, why is a promise from God and an oath from God an unchangeable thing? Because it is impossible for God to lie. That's why that verse is in there. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, whatever he says is true. It's impossible for God to lie. Impossible. So promise that your sins have been removed. And an oath swearing to you that they have been removed. And it's been established in a priesthood that will never change. After the order of Melchizedek. Is God's word to us to laugh, to laugh, to be at Isaac and laugh at impossible situations and, and laugh and rejoice and come boldly into my throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. Ask it in my name. He'll give it to you ask it for me. Don't ask it in your own name. See? It's so awesome. So, beyond this veil, this anchor, Christ himself, this anchor that has brought us beyond the veil. That's what Paul was trying to tell us. He said, You have been raised with him, together with him. We have been raised together to sit with him in heavenly places. Paul is saying, It has happened already. You have already been translated, Paul said, into this other realm. You are there, seated with him now. This is a reality within the Spirit now. We walk by faith now, not by sight. Paul says, Look at the unseen, not at the seen. This is the awareness that the Holy Spirit is bringing us to. A revelation of who He is, what belongs to Him, and what now belongs to you. Because you're in Him. And that's what He said. The Holy Spirit will come and show you all that belongs to me. And now that belongs to you. Because you're in Him. Okay, I want to read a few things. Okay, let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6 please verse 13 Hebrews 6 13 (laughs) Hebrews 6 13 for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you this is a reference to when Abraham offered up Isaac and God said because you have done this thing Because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son, I swear by myself. Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. So, when he offered up Isaac, and God saw Abraham's trust, because Hebrews says that Abraham believed that he was even able to raise him from the dead if necessary to fulfill his promise. And that's what God saw. He saw that faith in Abraham. So, he stopped him from offering up Isaac and said, I swear by myself. I'm going to so bless your socks off. Basically, that's what he said. He goes. He goes. Really, God. Basically, God said, "I swear, Abraham. I swear, Abraham. I have not seen such faith in the earth. I am so going to bless your socks off. I am so going to multiply you. Oh God. I mean, my God. I mean, oh me. Whatever. (laughs) God talking. Oh me. You know what I'm saying? it's awesome that's what he's saying he goes I swear I'm going to so bless you Abraham okay then he goes verse 15 and so after he had patiently endured Abraham obtained the promise verse 16 for men indeed swear by the greater and then an oath of com- for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute we do that all the time we have, we have an oath to confirm that you really mean what you're saying verse 17 thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of Promise of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed, confirmed it by an oath. Now, verse 17 is talking about you and me. See, first it's Abraham and Isaac and an, an event where God swore to bless Abraham, which, that, by the way, that blessing still continues with us because we are sons of Abraham. That same blessing continues with those who are believers like be, the believer Abraham. Same blessing comes. But he, that was an event he's talking about back then, an event where he swore. But now he's saying even more abundantly, even more than that event with Abraham. He's, he wants to swear again. God is swearing a lot, even against his own law. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> shalt not swear. And God goes, I'm going to swear anyway. It's my law. It's like that scene in Ten Commandments, you know, where Ramses go... Goes at the very end, Ramses is about to die, and he goes, I shall break my own law and utter their name, Moses. Because he had that law, you know, no one uttered the name of Moses in Egypt, you know, because he he missed Moses. He loved Moses. Anyway, so God says, verse 17, determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. See, Read this verse 17 like this. Thus God, determining to show to Steve Hebert more abundantly the immutability of his counsel to Steve Hebert. He confirmed it with an oath to Steve. Isn't that awesome? Verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation or strong comfort who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. The hope itself will carry us to the presence behind the veil. Verse 20, where the forerunner has already entered for us, even Jesus himself, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, what's the oath? The promise and the oath that he's talking about here is the oath that he made him a high priest forever, that he swore. Again, that's the, that's the second swearing of God. First with Abraham. Then there's another swearing about this one, Melchizedek, who will be a high priest. Not, not Melchizedek, but Jesus, his son, after the order of Melchizedek, will be a priest forever. Look at this real quick. This is also good. Let me just jump to... Chapter Seven, Verse eleven, Chapter seven, Verse eleven. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, if perfection were was for if perfection were through this daily covering of sins, if perfection was this through this daily confession of sin to stay right with God and to stay cleansed, if, if perfection was that way for under it the people for under it the people received the law, and that kind of mentality of a, a daily covering. What further need was there for another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. Aaron Aaron's sons were the Levites they, they began the Levitical priesthood. Aaron was the brother of Moses. Verse 12. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe for which no man has officiated at the altar. In other words, the law said you had to be of the tribe of Levi to offer sacrifices for sin and keep those sins covered on a daily basis and so forth. But there's no mention of anyone from the tribe of Judah doing this. So if you're going to change the priesthood from Levitical to another priesthood, you've got to change the law about who can be a priest. So God did in Psalm 110, it was hidden in there, when, he, when God said, there's a new priesthood coming, which I foreshadowed. I already showed Abraham when, the, when Melchizedek came to him with bread and wine, who is, who is written of the scriptures. He had no father, no mother, no beginning of days, no end of days. A picture of the Son of God coming with bread and wine to Abraham. So in Psalm 110, God swears and opens up a little bit of the, of the veil and says, I swear another priesthood's coming. I swear I will not repent. He is going to be the final priesthood. So he changed the law after the order of Melchizedek, of which nothing is written about Levi, because he's not of Levi. In fact, Levi was in Abraham's loins, paying tithes to Melchizedek as a picture of the superior priesthood. Levi was actually in the loins of Abraham, yet to be born, paying tithes to another to show that this is going to be the final priesthood, Melchizedek, the final sacrifice for all sin for all time, no more a daily covering. No more a daily reminder of sins. No more daily consciousness of sin. For the worshipers having once been cleansed should have no more consciousness of sin. Sin being imputed. Yes, we're aware when we sin. We're aware that we walk after the flesh. We're aware what's is, what, is what is not sin because we're learning who Jesus is. We know what the flesh is. We know what the Spirit is. But what the Spirit is saying here is that you should never, ever, ever again feel one ounce of condemnation because sin is no longer imputed. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto Himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. It is after the order of Melchizedek. It is one sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. And this is what opens the veil. This is what brings you beyond, into the presence, beyond the veil. The Scripture says, our forerunner who has gone for us, who beckons us to follow. For He has prepared a place for us that we might be where He is. That is not a reference to the second coming. When he goes, I go to prepare a place for you that you may be where I am. That's not a reference to the second coming. He's not up in there, in heaven building mansions. He's not building mansions. The word in the Greek is, there, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. Not mansions, there are many dwelling places. And I go to prepare a place for you. You cannot follow me now, Peter, but you'll follow me later. I'll come back after a little while, after a little while, Peter. The world's going to rejoice And you're going to be sad. But I'm going to come back three days. Three days, Peter. And no man takes your joy from you. And that day, Peter, you will know that I am in you. And you are in me. And we are together, hidden in my Father. For your life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. He prepared the place, the true temple they raised in three days. We are the living stones. We are the dwelling place of God. We are joined, bone of His bone, flesh of His flesh. This is what the Spirit of God wants to show us. It opens the heavens to us on the inside. And this doesn't mean you have the perfect life in this world. In this world, you shall have tribulation, Jesus said. In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, there's going to be struggle sometimes. In this world, there's going to be suffering sometimes. In this world, you shall have tribulation. It doesn't mean, it's not like this stuff, this, this sometimes word of faith teaching that says you can create your own environment and live a perfect life if you have enough faith. No! That's not what Jesus taught. He taught that no, though we be knocked down, we're not knocked out. He said, he, he taught though we be persecuted, we're still living. The death of Christ works in us. The persecution works in my body. But the life works in you. Because in my dependency on Him, His life gets out. That's, right. yes. That's what the truth is. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God, and not of ourselves. So we go through hard times. But in those hard times, we trust Him to live through us. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And the world looks at us and says, Wow, you have all these problems, but you seem to have peace. Wow, you have all, this, all these issues, but you get through them. How do you do it? Because He's within me. Amen. It's not because of me, but it's because of Him who is within me. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. Awesome! And so... Just to wrap this up. For the law, this is verse 19, chapter 7, verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope, which is Christ, through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he, with an oath, by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn, and I will not repent, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. They had to replace them. They kept dying. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since He always lives to make intercession for them. And that verse, that word intercession doesn't mean He's praying for you. It means that He always lives to stand in your place before God. Yes. Yes. That He always lives to be as you before God. He always lives to be as you before God. That's what that means. He always lives to be as you before God. Pray. In my name. See? Verse 26 For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy and harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. He who does not need daily, the sin saints, he does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the peoples. For the peoples, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints a high priest, men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Amen. Awesome. Presence within us after the order of Melchizedek no beginning no end even before hundreds of years before the law you see him coming to Abraham with bread and wine because the the ministry of, of the Melchizedek priesthood is one of re- remembering what God did And you, saints, are a holy priesthood, a royal nation. After the order of Melchizedek, you too now bring the bread and wine to other people and speak of what he did, that they may go beyond the veil. That anchor is there so we can experience him beyond the veil. The old saints used to sing about it. That old song, i come to the garden alone while the dew is upon the roses. And He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. The reality of union. Lord, thank You for Zion. Lord, thank You that You've opened a door that no man can shut. Lord, I pray that every person here would not be afraid to believe. Would not be afraid to believe that it's this good. For you did prepare a place for us. And you came back to get us. And you sent the Spirit to bring us there. That we might be in you and you in us. We are the living stones. We are the true temple. We are the many dwelling places in the house of God. Thank you, Father. If I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I would draw all men to me. And I, as Jacob's ladder, will join heaven and earth. Heaven and earth have become one. His kingdom has come. His will has been done on earth. As it is in heaven. Only open your eyes. For those who were born of the Spirit can see the kingdom. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Amen.